From the studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Friday, uh, April 14th, the eve of the NBA playoffs, the eve of Knicks-Cavs. And to preview Knicks-Cavs, we welcome in our senior NBA analyst, Jordan Brickman, who is also a recent uh, skills challenge winner at Madison Square Garden. Hello, sir. Congratulations. Brand new intro for you. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks so much. Really excited to be here. Super excited for the playoffs this weekend. Is there anything you can take from that skills challenge that can transfer over into our playoff preview? <laughs> uh, you know, just like the Knicks, they got to be calm under pressure and, and deliver with the lights are brightest. That's what I felt like I had to do with the skills challenge. There you go. Um, all right, so 30,000 feet up. My view of this series is, holy bleep, we can actually win this thing if we're healthy. We're a year ahead of schedule. I love where this team is. I love how deep we are, uh, which we'll get to from those last three games of the regular season, which, which were meaningless. Like, wow, what is your 30,000-foot view of, of this series? Definitely love where the team is right now. Losing to, potentially losing to the Cavs in the first round will not make the season a failure. Going into the year, we were hoping for a playing opportunity to make the playoffs outright. It's wonderful. Emmanuel Quickly's emergence as a top two candidate for six man of the year is incredible. He's a legitimate high level rotation player on a, on a playoff slash title team. Quentin Grimes is, is development towards the end of the season, second half of the year, particularly the last March and April. Uh, Stretchy was incredible. We'll be topping show a little bit in the last few games there again, like he did last year. Brunson's emergence as a legitimate all-star caliber point guard, even though he didn't make the all-star team. He may make an all-NBA team. Um, Randall's emergence as a second option playing off ball more, establishing as a high-volume three-point shooter at a league average uh, consistency. Lots to really like about the team. You know, we're going to skip over our RJ's season, but uh, <laughs> lots that we like about the team. Josh Hart's acquisition was incredible. Great trade. Savvy by the front office. Um, so, so really excited about the future of the team. And a lot of flexibility still. Draft picks. Um, cap space flexibility coming up. So, so a lot of, a lot of reasons to be excited about the team, regardless of what happens over the next two weeks. But, um, definitely really looking forward to seeing how they match up against a talented Cavs team. Talented, but very young. Cavs team here, here coming up. I think they have a chance to win. You're totally right, but um, even if they, they lose, I think there's still a lot of positives to take away from the season. Totally. Um, I, this this depth thing, I think, is fascinating in that the last three games were meaningless. Mr. Brunson did not play because of right hand management, I believe was the term. Uh, brand new term in the NBA. Um, look, so there were guys in spots, there were guys not playing and playing. You look at what Quickly still did, though, every single night. You 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 look at what your guy QG put up every single night um, in that stretch. So once they clinched the five seed, and then they still kept going the way they did, and you get Obi in into the rotation for bad reasons, and then for good reasons with people resting, I just really think that a lot of fans, casual fans, may sit down tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern time and really have no clue what they are truly watching because for a lot of this fan base for and, and for a lot of this team, um, or, 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 or sorry, for people outside of this fan base, they might may not realize how the Knicks ended their season and how many different players 
really had a huge impact in that stretch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you really got to see Grimes and Quickly and OB unleashed in terms of their usage over the last week or two of the season and see the, the different types of offensive uh, opportunities they can, they can provide the team if they're, if they're given to them. Now, obviously, they're going to go back into their traditional roles, and the playoffs are different. It's important to remember that the playoff games are different. They're managed differently. The rotations will be tighter. The, the starters will be playing longer. Um, so we'll see what that looks like. You know, when when you know Grimes shot like 50% from three in, in the last few games of the year, does he maintain that when, when he needs to, when the defense is tighter and he has less room and there's steam for him? Um, you know, they, in, the deep, in, in the playoffs, you really can adapt to specific skill sets out there. So um, I'm excited to see what the team looks like. When you compare it to the, the playoff team of, of two years ago, they're significantly better, right? That, that yeah. playoff team was, was on Randall's back, who was shooting fadeaway, you know, long twos and hitting them throughout the regular season, and they schemed for that come playoff time. This team, you know, Quentin Grimes is way better than Reggie Bullock. Um, Jalen Brunson is 10 times better than Alfred Payton. There, there's a lot There's a lot more to like about this team and a lot more options on this team should one or, you know, the first or second option get shut down. So I'm really excited to see how these guys play when, when they really need to show up. I was about to say the exact same word, options. There's a lot of, like, like who do you double, right, in, in certain situations. Um, so I, I think that's going to be a huge factor in, in, in this series. From the Knicks' perspective, what are you expecting out of Randall? Um, Steve Popper of Newsday uh, says that the Knicks have to produce a, a um, injury report by 5 p.m. Eastern Time. We're taping this at 2.17 p.m. Eastern Time. And that he thinks most likely uh, Randall will be listed as questionable in a game-time decision. What's your thoughts on both Randall and then how does this change if he can't go? Yeah, well, Randall is you know, obviously a very key yeah. player for, for, for the team. Second leading, second uh, option was from the usage standpoint on the team. Uh, you know, he has the ability to put up 40, 50 point games. He can winners score in isolation. They're going to really need his rebounding in this series. You know, Obi, for some of the positives he showed at the end of the year, still not a great rebounder. And the Cavs have two big twin towers down low who will, who will make it difficult for a guy like Obi to get those boards. And Randall will get in there, get physical, beat you up, and that can wear down a team over, over a series when the, his physicality comes into play. So, they're going to miss a lot, a lot with him out. Um, now, without him out there, the offense is more fluid. Um, you know, Obi is, is kind of more of a uh, plays within the offense, kinetic passer. He's not going to do more isolation like like Randall will, who can sometimes be a ball stopper out there. The upside is just lower without him on the floor. Um, you know, again, uh, Randall could put uh, Brunson's going to get doubled this series. No question, the ball he's going to get doubled. Late game situations or just throughout the game. They're going to get the ball out of his hands, and it's going to be up to someone else to score and to create offense for the team. And they have guys that can do it, IQ being one of them. RJ sometimes, if he's going okay, can be one of them. I think Rhymes, if given the opportunity, can be one of them. Obi, not so much. Um, Randall can be. So they're going to miss a lot. If he's out, they're missing a lot. His toughness, I think when he's playing well, his spirit can be really positive, obviously. When he's playing poorly, he's one of the most detrimental players in the NBA. Uh, and if he's not 100%, will he look like that, you know, out there? And what and what will Tibbs' recognition be of Randall's fitness when he's out there, right? If if Randall does play on Saturday or it's game two or whenever he does make his his return, and he's not playing well because he's hurt or just because he's out of rhythm or whatever it might be, will Tibbs pull him 
and, and play him for less minutes than he would normally be playing him, whether it's for Obi or Josh Hart or someone else. That's something to watch, I think. But they're missing a lot with him out. I'm hoping that he plays, and I'm hoping that Tibbs has the, the, the wherewithal to pull him should he need to pull him. But I'm, I'm worried about his rhythm. I'm worried about it, especially that three-point shot, which has been so important for him this year. Is he going to be able to hit that at the same rate, at the same volume that he did throughout the season if he's not at, at tip-top shape? In, in rhythm, I think is the key word there, in rhythm. Uh, Julius Randle, out of rhythm, out of sync, is one of the most painful things to watch in the NBA. It's just right. ugly. It's just absolutely ugly. Um, I don't have it down here, by the way, but Mitchell Robinson needs to hit his free throws in this series. If he does not hit his free throws, the Knicks are in trouble. Those are easy points, and Mitch, is he has gotten better, but he has to hit them in this series. Uh, just wanted to point that out. Yes, definitely. Yes, be confident up there, specifically. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Jordan Brickman with us here on Teeing Up, previewing Nick's Cavs, which they view. Uh, sorry, which uh, uh, geez, making it seem like a, a uh, TV show. Uh, game one, <laughs> 6 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow, Saturday on ESPN and MSG. All right, IQ is going to go back to the second unit. One would think now to start at least, come off the bench, I think is, is, is the better way to put it, with Brunson back in the starting lineup. But in my mind, IQ is, is a part of this closing group. And his um, what he has done defensively and what he has done offensively with the amount of different things he can do is not just the floater or the three. He can dish while driving way better. His passing's gotten you know um, um, firmer. I feel like IQ could be one of the key cogs to this series in terms of if Brunson's struggling, if someone gets in early foul trouble, you bring him in and you know he could really stabilize things in a way that Brunson has also stabilized the, whole, the, the entire starting unit. Yeah, I, to, to me a big advantage the Knicks have in this series, one of a couple of them, is the bench. Um, you know, the Cavs have a couple veterans off the bench. They have Rubio, Paris LeVert, Chetty Osman, they got some guys on the bench that are not their names per, per se, but to me, the Knicks bench unit is, is a big advantage for them. They have to win the bench units every night with IQ. IQ and Josh Hart, in my opinion, are better than anyone that the Cavs have off the bench. The Knicks should have the top two yeah. players off the bench um, whenever the bench is in. And Isaiah Hardenstein is better than any of the bigs that the Cavs will bring off the bench. And when Jared Allen is out of the game, Hardenstein, even if Mobley is in, Hardenstein was, was bullying Mobley down low in their regular season matchup. So, um, the bench units are really important this, this, this series. I'm really looking to see positive plus minuses out of all of those guys when, when they're in the game. But you're totally right. IQ has established himself as a top five player on the team. It's something to watch come closing time is RJ's minutes. I think RJ's going to really struggle, uh, in, in this matchup for a couple of reasons. One, they're going to leave him open from three. Yeah. We all know RJ is inconsistent from three, game to game, quarter to quarter, minute to minute. We don't know what we're going to get from RJ when he's open from three. They're going to make him shoot it. Secondly, they protect the rim, the paint, very well. Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, who's a defensive player of the year candidate, protect the rim well. And that's where RJ scores his points. And that's where his bread is buttered. So if he's left open for three, he's not consistent from there. He's going to have games where he's 0 for 5 from three or starts off you know, really poorly from there. And then he's not going to score easily at the rim either. I'm really worried about RJ's usage and, and his play in this series. So with that, the guys that need to be out there are the guys that need to knock down shots. Quickly is one of those guys that you can rely on. 
both open and not open to, to knock down shots. So I'm expecting him to be out there come closing time. And we'll see who gets the other spot. If it's Hart, if it's Grimes, if Randall's back, if it's Rand- you know, Randall will be out there. If he's healthy, obviously, he's playing well. But they, they could go small with Grimes quickly and Hart. It'll be interesting to see see how that unfolds. But IQ will be out there come crunch time, no doubt about it. Let's flip sides here to the Cavs. Garland and Mitchell, how do you defend them? So, you know, they, 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 both these guys are pull-up three-point shooters. Uh, if you can pull, take that away from them, which easier said than done, <laughs> that's a big key. Um, you, you know, I expect there's Gar- Garland's not as consistent of a player as Mitchell, obviously, not as good of a player. There will be games this series where Garland shoots poorly from the field. That's going to be really important. To, to me, I want to focus the defense on stopping Garland. And, let, and, you know, we're going to do our best by Mitchell. I put Grimes on Mitchell, and, and he's going to go off, and he's going to have his games. And I'm sure he'll score 40 a couple times throughout the series, and that's going to be tough to watch. But if you can slow down Garland, it eliminates their secondary playmate. Um, because Garland, the Mitchell's going to have the ball in his hands the most, but Garland can create as well. And Garland has had bad games against the Knicks and just in general this year. It's his first postseason appearance. The pressure's going to be on him. As we all know, you got to go through your bumps come postseason time. Let's get, let's give him some buffs. So so to me, it's guarding him on the perimeter, make him make quick decisions, make him kind of overthink things, try to avoid let him get into his, his pull-up three game, make him create, t- tire him out, things of that nature. Be physical. Do what the Knicks do, which is play physical. They have a lot of uh, perimeter def- defenders that are physical. Grimes will get up in you. Hart will get up in you. IQ will get up in you. Uh, and maybe even Deuce gets a couple minutes out there this series just to – throw a different look out there, just some physicality, use some fouls, things of that nature to to make them uncomfortable. Um, but make them drivers. Don't let them kill you from three. Make them attack the rim. And then you got Mitch down there to hopefully help out and, and try to slow down slow down those, those rim attacks. So don't let them do, do their pull-ups. Once they're hitting their pull-up three, it opens everything else up. That's a, a big thing to avoid, I think, in this, in this series. What specific matchup are you most intrigued by? Yeah, so, so to me, it's, it's actually, um, Mitch down low with Allen and Mobley. Um, and a key to, to one of the, another advantage the Knicks have against most teams is offensive rebound. Yep. And Mitch is the best in the NBA. Him, Steven Adams, Adams is out. So Mitch is the best in the NBA. Definitely best in the conference at offensive rebounds. It gets them second possessions, you know, four to five a game generally. Three, three to five a game, generally, he's getting the Knicks extra shots. And if you're shooting 40, 50%, that's six to eight to ten points extra that Mitch is getting them per game with his offensive rebounds. So if the Cavs are able to stop him from getting that, it's going to change the, the efficiency of their offense. Um, so that's going to be a big key for me is how down low in the paint, and I'll throw Hardstein in there too because he's played well uh, as well the second half of the season, what does the glass look like? on there, specifically offensive rebounds. Because that's where the Knicks got killed last postseason, right? When it was just New Orleans Noel battling down low with Clint Capella, they really missed a guy like Mitch. So if Mitch can win the board battle of boards at least half of the games or some of the games, that's gonna be that's gonna be a big key for the team. For for me it's it's Brunson on Mitchell, if that becomes the matchup, I don't know if that will be the the, the, the way they play it come crunch time, but you know, it's as you said, three-point shooters have a way of, of if, if, if they're in rhythm, in timing, hitting their shot, and if it's Brunson up against Mitchell, can he stop him in that moment? That's my... 
I would expect Brunson to start on the whoever's playing the three, probably Okoro, because that person is likely going to be staying in the corner. Now, of course, one little screen and Brunson's back on Mitchell or Garland, yeah. but I would expect Brunson as a start of the possession to be guarding whoever's playing the three, which again will be Okoro in the starting lineup at least. Jordan, uh, uh, excuse me, Jordan Brickman with us here on Ting Out previewing Knicks Cavs round one of the NBA playoffs begins tomorrow on ESPN. Six Eastern time for this game. All right, sleeper player each side. For me, um, I, 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 I know Karis LeVert is a role player for them, but I saw what he did with the Nets. I know he's not the same player. He's gone through some injuries. But you, you never know when, when, when 12 points in 15 minutes or 10 points in 8 minutes can make a huge difference. I think he has one of those. And for the Knicks, it's, it, 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 it is Hartenstein. Isaiah Hartenstein is completely underrated, not only for what he does as a big man, but also as a passer. He has become very good in facilitating the offense. He is my um, sleeper on the Knicks side. Yeah, I think those are great picks. I was thinking about saying Karras because the bench units, in theory, should be a huge advantage for the Knicks. So if Karras has big games, it can even that out. So I really like that pick. And we talked about Hart as well and, and the, the skill sets he brings to the game. Uh, I don't know what you consider a sleeper for the Cavs. I'm going to say Evan Mobley because Evan Mobley has the ability to dominate the Knicks. The, mm. the Knicks do not have a guy that can guard Evan Mobley. They just don't. He's too big, too athletic. Um, he's got a really nice jump shot. They just don't have a guy that can guard him. He's he t- they just kind of bullied him a bit in the in their matchup. So yeah. um, he has the ability to put up twenty and ten against the Knicks and average that for the series. And there's not much the Knicks can do of two about it. They don't have a guy that can really guard him. So you know he's a starter. He's obviously their a top three player on, the, on them on their team. But uh, I'll, I'll say he's he's a I would do factor as a sleeper. He's an X factor if nothing else for, for the Cavs. Um, and then on the Knicks, I'm just gonna. Not say a specific player, uh, open three point shots. <laughs> to hit open three point shots because these, because Brunson and or Randall, uh, are gonna be doubled a lot. Yeah. And they're gonna pass the ball and they gotta hit their catch and shoot threes. Grimes, you know, Hart shot like 55% from three on the Knicks. I'm terrified of that regression coming in this series. Um, uh, of course, quickly, RJ, you know, of course, Brunson and, and Randall even be open for catch and shoot threes as well as well. Obi, I looked it up actually before this podcast. I was curious, catch and shoot threes percentage, Obi versus Randall. I was like, maybe Obi's much better from catch and shoot. That's what they bring the team. Almost the exact same percentage for catch and shoot threes for Obi and Randall. And Randall's obviously got a much higher volume, so sample size is something to take into consideration there. But you're not really gaining or losing much depending on who's out there. They're both worth 34%, which is below average, I would say, for catch and shoot because usually it's open. But you get a little confidence there, especially Obi at the end of the season was much better at shooting threes. There could be something to say there. But to me, the sleeper is you have to hit your open threes. They'll open everything up, especially for the, the double teams that they're, that they're leaving these guys on. They have enough good shooters to do it. Got to hit your open threes. And, and uh, to your point about Evan Mobley, uh, versus the Knicks this year in four games, 13, 8, 4 with 3 blocks over 38 minutes average, shooting 53% from the field. And what is the average for the season? Uh, from the, Just in, in general? Yes. Uh, in general, he was 16, 9, right. 3 over 34 minutes. So they have done a good job on him. I think with their physicality, it makes him uncomfortable. I have a... Uh, 
inside source friend of a friend kind of thing. A friend that's a Cavs fan has a friend that knows Evan Mobley's family. And apparently the Cavs asked him to bulk up in the offseason to play center, and he said no. Um, Ooh. Which makes which makes me feel a little like kind of AD. You know, AD doesn't want to play center. Yeah. Doesn't like to yeah. Play out with the guys. That makes me feel like maybe he's not comfortable with the physicality, and that's the thing that the Knicks bring, and that's the thing that Randall and those guys bring. So we'll see. He's had bad games against him this year, but on paper, he should be able to cook them. And we'll see. It's his first postseason. It's a really important factor in this series. I think Knicks have a lot of guys in their second postseason run or their first postseason run, but they also have a lot of guys like Brunson who have been there, done that. Um, and the Cavs have, you know, Mitchell, obviously, and Jared Allen's been there, but two of the top players for the Cavs have never been in the postseason before. How will they react, be physical, get, get in their head, hopefully the crowd gets involved as well. So, um, Mobley's a very important player to shut down. For whatever it's worth, um, Mobley is listed as 6'11", 215. Right, and I think Randall is like 250. Uh, and Mitch and Mitch is also in, in that range as well. And Allen is also skinny. I believe Allen's in the 230s. Um, so the, so the, the Knicks should have strength down low as an advantage uh, in this game. Randall has strength advantage against most everybody other than like Giannis in the league. So, yeah. Um, Mitch is uh, 240, Randall 250. Yep, yeah, you nailed it. Exactly. Yep. And, and Jared Allen, what's Jared Allen's weight? Uh, good, good question. We will find that out. He is 245, uh, 243. Jeez, they get very okay, specific. So right 243, 69, 243. Only 69. Uh, yeah, so, so he's right around the same, the same weight as, uh, as Mitch, but Randall has a significant strength advantage over Mobley. Mobley's much bigger than Randall uh, from a height and length standpoint, but not, the, not from a strength standpoint. And the big question here is if, if Randall plays, and how good is that ankle, and how well is he playing off that ankle? Um, for me, we've gone through a whole bunch of X factors, so I'm going to change that, this question into just anything else about this series, and I said it before, make your free throws. Make your free throws. Anything else you want to add about this series? Yeah, I guess for you, make free throws, me, make, make your, make your three-point shots, so hit your shots. Um, <laughs> another thing I want to, we haven't talked about Tibbs at all. Um, it's true, it's a good point. Last postseason, Tibbs was pretty frustrating to me. Um, he showed a hesitancy to try things. He showed a hesitancy to make in-game adjustments. He's very stubborn, or at least he was a couple years ago. He seems to have evolved a bit on his theories on, on young players. And, um, he's, he, tr- he decided to, you know, what turned the season around was, was benching Fournier and benching Derrick Rose, and he decided to make that decision and turn the whole season around. Yeah. What's it going to look like if the Knicks need to make adjustments, which they obviously will need to make in this series? Will just be able to make those changes, whether it's pulling Randall because he's not strong, he's not he's not playing well enough, whether it's playing Josh Hart at the four, whether it's going small with Randall at the five, or whatever it might be, is is Coach willing to do that and and we recognize it and make those decisions in the right time? Um, I was listening to Dunk Don with Hollinger and Nate Duncan today. They're previewing the, the, the playoffs. And they mentioned how um, it's very rare for a, a road team, so a five facing a four. Uh, to win a series in, in less than six games, um, if you're gonna usually if the road team is gonna win the series, it'll be six or seven games usually. And Tibbs has multiple times been a home seed and lost in five, mm. and that speaks to his inability, in my opinion, to make these changes when he needs to. Um, so that is definitely something that I think has not gotten a lot of attention. That will be a focus here for the team. He's done a great job this year. I'm very impressed with the team. I don't have many complaints if at all. 
report tapes. I wish he would sit the guys a little bit more at the end of games when it's blowout. Yeah, but seriously. Other than that, I don't have a ton of issues with his, his season. So we'll see come playoff time. Is he going to be able to make the changes when he needs to? That's a great point. You know, we 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 live through the the just brutalness that was Alfred Payton and that whole fiasco at, at point guard two years ago. Um, will he have the gut? Yeah, he was playing lineups in the postseason that year that he never played in the regular season. Before. Yeah. So you hope that he has done his enough to due diligence in the regular season to be prepared for anything come postseason time, and we'll see. Yeah, we 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 shall see. Who wins this thing? Oh God. So before <laughs> before uh, the last Knicks Cavs game, I was saying, you know, the key to life is low expectations. Uh, my expectations was Cavs in six. When I watched before, I watched their last game together. And their last game, you know, there was no Allen, no Okoro, no Randall for the Knicks, um, and it just seems like the Knicks have a lot of advantages in this, ser- in this series. Some of which we mentioned, like the toughness. They have a little bit more, they have, they have a notable more amount of playoff experience, although not a ton more. Um, they they kind of been healthy all year. We'll see how Randall does with his health. Um, they're deeper. You know, they're, they're, there's a lot of things pointing in their, in their direction. Uh, I'm going to say Cavs in se- seven is my actual prediction. But I uh, I think it's probably a 40% chance they win the Knicks. You know, it's interesting. I was reading Fred Katz at The Athletic. He did an article with the Cavs beat writer uh, where they went back and forth on their X-Factors and things of that nature. The Cavs beat writer picked the Knicks, and Fred Katz, the Knicks beat writer, picked the Cavs. Um and I think that that's really interesting that both teams... Because both teams, when you're a fan of the team, you're keenly aware of their flaws. Um, and those beat writers are, and so they say, I can see these flaws you know, being the reason for their downfall. But going to my head, I would say Cavs at seven, but darn it, am I going to be rooting really hard for this team, this next team, to take it all. I know. It's it's so tough. Uh, uh, Kelsey Russo is the uh, 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 Cavs beat writer for uh, uh, for The Athletic, which is the piece Jordan was just talking about. Um, I have Nixon 7, and I don't know how we're going to survive. <laughs> it's going to be stressful. Yeah. You know, it, it's a series to see who gets to get their, their butt kicked by the Bucks. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, the thing that I'm most worried about is the, the insufferable narrative of the Knicks lost to Donovan Mitchell, who they could have traded for, and yada, yada, yada. Um, but hey, if we take a Donovan Mitchell team to, to seven games, that still makes me feel feel pretty darn good about not making that trade. So um, it is what it is. I feel one other thing we didn't talk about, by the way, is the Cavs' road record. They ended the season twenty and twenty-one. Two of those wins came at the end of the year in a row when they were playing subs, scrubs versus scrubs. So, <clears throat> so really, they're like eighteen and twenty-one on the road this season when they're they're playing healthy. That's not a good record. Obviously, the Knicks are above 500 on the road, above 500 at home. They're, the, the Cavs' inability to play on the road speaks to their, their youth, their, their inexperience as a, as a team, and that will, should be hopefully um, exemplified in, in, in their road postseason games and, and brought to life and hope that the Knicks can, can take advantage of that. The Knicks only play close games all regular season. So if they're in at the end, we got two of the best isolation scorers in the NBA, and Brunson is, I think, top three this year in isolation points. For him at the end, I like Brunson's chances of taking him home. I, I'm with you there. Uh, God, I, I'm just thinking about the stress that I'm going to have starting tomorrow. 
But that's why they love this. It's all about the journey. It's gotta be. That's the fun part, right? <laughs> it's fair. It's all. It is all about the journey. It is. It's how we got there, um, which, which 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 still includes me being on its what now three game losing streak with you. We have to change. We have to change that up next year. We will reinforce and get better for next year. Any other NBA notes before we shut this thing down? Um, I think the Western Conference is wide open. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams that can win. I think that Lakers Grizzlies series is fascinating. I have no idea who's going to win that. Um, so I think that's wide open. I think the second round matchup of Celtics Sixers is fascinating. I imagine the loser of that is going to blow their team up or look drastically different next year, if nothing else. So that's very fascinating to watch. Um, it's going to be a really exciting postseason. The first round in general is somewhat playing the Lakers Grizzlies is great. Cavs Knicks is one of the best series in the East, one of the best series in the East in the first round. Um, but I think the playoffs are wide open. My pick: Bucks over Suns in six. Uh, that's my that's my official prediction uh, for for the postseason. Golden State over somebody. Boston. So rematch? You think they win in a rematch? Yes. Either either Bucks or Celtics. Uh, that's fine. Yeah, it that's, shows you. I mean, we it, just takes four different teams. Yeah, you know, it really is. So it really know. and like to your point about the Lakers, like is is this is like LeBron and his body and as hard as he works at this stage. If this doesn't work in the first round, and they get ousted, he's gonna call for changes. I don't know what he's gonna do. Like this. The shelf life of LeBron and then what LeBron wants in his waning years in the NBA is a whole sub, you know, uh, uh, sub narrative to every everything else that's happening within that series and the whole Western Conference playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fascinating to see. I mean, the, the schedule didn't break that easily for them. They're playing basically every other day. Not a lot of rest for some, some older guys. That injury prone guys like AD. Um, We'll see. I don't think the Grizzlies are a title contender, but um, they certainly have the ability to, to beat a team like the Lakers. So uh, I'm very excited to watch that that series. We shall see how it all plays out starting tomorrow. Jordan, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up, and let's enjoy Nick's Cavs as best we can. Thanks, Jeremy. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing Up for Jeremy Schilling. We will see you later. <laughs>